Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey there, buddy. How are you? Good. How are you? You remember Good. any drug references to my name? In there? <laughs> <laughs> crack. Do a little crack. <laughs> that was last week <laughs> at the LA Convention Center. Feels Thank like God you were the ago. buffer between. Me and Sims, it does. It feels like a year ago. It feels like a different lifetime. I'm telling you, yeah. nothing against L.A. I said it earlier this week. The difference between Pittsburgh and L.A. is like the difference between two planets. It's a rocket ship, not a plane flight between those two different worlds. And uh, with each passing hour, it feels like it wasn't just something that happened a long time ago. It was like some sort of a dream state that I was injected into and by Monday, I may not even be completely sure it actually happened, Shireen, but welcome back. We know what's happening now. It's two hours of PFT Live on a Friday morning. Thank you for getting up a little early because it's 6 o'clock your time. I've mastered the time zones after a week in the Pacific zone, but thank right. you for doing this, and uh, great to see you, and let's have some fun today. Yeah, let's do. At least we're not on the West Coast, Mike. 4 o'clock would be a little bit early to this. It's early, still early for me, but 4 would be worse. Well, you know, I actually tried to stay on East Coast time most of the week, and it was a (laughs) good idea until my weekly visit with the folks at WFNZ in Charlotte at 6.15 a.m. Eastern Uh came around, and my phone rang at 3.15 a.m. Pacific. Uh, That was when I – that was when – the guy that had to do that was cursing the guy who decided a week earlier. What the hell? What the hell? Just get up and do it and go back to sleep. All right. Uh, don't go back to sleep, anyone out there, especially us, because we got plenty to discuss. And it's finally happened. It's official. Officially official, as they may say. There was no jilting of the Minnesota Vikings by Kevin O'Connell, unlike what we saw four years ago when Josh McDaniels said, oh, yeah, you know that thing I told you I was going to do, Colts, I'm not going to do it. O'Connell went through with it. He put his John Hancock at the bottom of the 
contract, and yesterday he was introduced as the 10th head coach in the storied, but not as storied as they would like, history of the Minnesota Vikings. Let's start with O'Connell talking about a former co-worker in Washington, Kirk Cousins, his future now that O'Connell is the coach of the Vikings. We started thinking about how we're going to build those systems for him um, and our other quarterbacks and really our, uh, you know, the tremendous skill group we have, our, our guys up front. Um, it takes all 11 to move the football on offense, to run it, to throw it, uh, to score points in the red zone. Um, but, but uh, you know, I'm anticipating Kirk being a part of what we do. Yeah, just to reiterate, I'm excited that he's excited to, to coach him and lead him, and we're, we're focused on building the team around him that set us up to succeed the best we can. That was O'Connell with Quezia Dofo Mensa, the new general manager of the Vikings. And by the way, I, I can't believe I didn't say this. We had our final installment of business suit season. When we take head coaches out of their normal attire and slap them in suits to make them even less comfortable during their first meeting with the local media. <laughs> yeah. I still don't know why they do that. Uh, look, Kirk Cousins is under contract. Duh. The real question is, what happens beyond this year? Something I mentioned last night, Shereen. Cousins has a cap number of $45 million this year, salary of $35 yeah. million. Because if he's tagged twice before by Washington, he would get a 44% raise over his cap number as his franchise tag amount for 2023. That's $63 million in change. So, in other words, he's got the Vikings exactly where he had Washington four or five years ago, where if they don't get him to sign a contract – He's a free agent with no ability to limit his options. Now, I guess they could do a transition tag at a 20% raise and get a right to match, but even that would be pretty pricey, over $45 million. And I don't know if you remember this. We talked to him two years ago, and it sure sounded like he yeah. was not interested in doing a new contract at any time between then and the expiration of the deal. Well, and we talked this offseason about if the Vikings wanted to move on from – him what would they do well it would have to be a trade and obviously now that doesn't look like it's going to happen but wouldn't they want to lower that cap number for this season mike when you look at their cap situation they're 15 million over the projected cap i'm sure they would like to do that to extend that deal now that marries them to kirk cousins the good thing is if he doesn't want to do that and he has a crappy year, you can move on from Kirk Cousins after this year. I guess that's the good thing if you don't extend him. But if I'm the Vikings, I certainly try to do that to lower that $45 million cap number. But we'll see if Kirk Cousins is interested in doing that. Would you extend him if, if he would be open to that? Would you do it? First of all, whoever made that dra uh, graphic can go straight to hell. Just go straight to hell. I don't appreciate the title. Sorry, sorry, Gabby. It's Gabby's birthday. I'm just kidding. Don't go straight to hell. Enjoy your birthday, then go straight to hell. I'm just, I'm, I'm seriously kidding. And I'm fine with it. It's just part of the bit. It's part of the shtick with, you know, the he loves him, he loves him not. Today, I don't know what to think of it because you're right, Shireen. What do you do if you're the Vikings? Do you yeah. try to reduce that cap number and, and commit to Kirk Cousins beyond this year? But then you're stuck next year or the year after that if you decide he's not the guy? Or do you just say, hey, let's go do it? And I, and I was a big proponent. What year was it? Was it 2019 or 2020? There was a year where Cousins and Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman were all in the final year of their contracts. 
and they all got extensions. I think it was going into 2020. They all got extensions because, lo and behold, they won a playoff game on the road in New Orleans. So let's give everybody an extension because they got to the division round and got their asses kicked by the 49ers. Yippee, let's start throwing away money. Let's get drunk. Let's drink the 42 straight out of the bottle and start giving away money because we got to the round of eight. Give me a break. Uh, but, but I remember saying then, let them all, let them all go. Let, let them all coach and work and quarterback their contract year. And if uh, you get to a Super Bowl and win it, great problem to have. Pay everybody. I feel like with Cousins... You know, if he doesn't want to do a reasonable extension that reflects his current value, that realistically assesses the weaknesses in his game, because even though he's capable of making a you know, big throw and, and not in a big spot, but when everything's going well, he still can't save you when the play falls apart. He can't improvise. He can, and, and, and all too often, when he is in that big spot, he doesn't deliver. And I think he needs to recognize that when he thinks about what he expects from the Vikings if they are going to do a long-term contract. So I, I'm fine with going forward. Because you know what? He hits the open market. Unless they unless they have a really great year, who's going to step into the yeah. same bear trap the Vikings stepped into four years ago and give this guy a market deal? When he's, hey, he's going to generate great numbers, but he isn't going to take you anywhere. Who's going to do that? Yeah, nobody's going to do that, Mike, and, it, and it's a great point. He's not going to get that much money on the open market if he hits the open market. So if I'm the Vikings, I'd probably take my lumps here, see what he delivers. It's going to cost me more money if I go and win, and he shows that he can be a, a playoff-winning quarterback, which he has only done once in his career. He's won one playoff game. So if he can't do that for me this year, then I'm going to look to move on to somebody better for next year. That's the thing. when you It's the same thing with me with head coaches and with quarterbacks. If you're going to get rid of the one you have, you better make sure that the next guy is better. You have better have a guy in mind that you want to replace either your head coach or your quarterback who's better than the one you had previously. Otherwise, you don't make that commitment to change. So they're going to have to find somebody better. From, from all appearances of what we heard and saw, at least from Mike Zimmer, Kellen and I love Kellen but he's not going to be their long-term answer at that position despite being a third-round draft pick. So if he's not the long-term answer, then you're going to have to find a quarterback after this year if you decide to move on from Cousins, who's better. Now, I do know this. Sean McVay has an extremely high opinion of Kirk Cousins, which does not seem to be contrived or exaggerated based on their time together in Washington. Kyle Shanahan obviously has a high opinion of Kirk Cousins. It was in 2017 that that Shanahan was waiting until 2018 to sign Cousins as a free agent. One of the reasons he didn't evaluate the rookie quarterbacks in 2017 like a Patrick Mahomes or a Deshaun Watson. He was waiting for Cousins. Someone talked to him to into Jimmy Garoppolo on the path to to signing Cousins as a free agent. But, you know, those two those two seats are filled currently in San Francisco and L.A., but O'Connell's part of that same mob. So, you know, it, maybe O'Connell can draw something out of Cousins that Mike Zimmer, through his offensive coordinators, the guys to whom he threw the yeah. keys and said, you go run the offense. And I never liked that. I, I don't like the defensive coordinator who's a head coach who is completely disconnected from the offense, especially – with Zimmer, you know, Zimmer a little prickly and, and he had the revolving door. And when they did well, Pat Shermer was gone. And when they didn't do well, guys got fired. And, 
You know, it felt like it was one after another after another. It was North Turner, and then he was out, and then it was John DiFilippo, and he was out, and, and you know, then this guy, and he's out. And, and it, it, Gary it, Kubiak. It's good that, that, yeah. it's good that the head coach is, is a quarterback guy, a former quarterback. Yeah. That's what they need. But O'Connell knows what he feels about Cousins. And uh, O'Con- O'Connell is going to be, I think, a huge influence on whether or not they do explore extending him because he presumably has a plan to get more out of Cousins or he knows deep down that Cousins isn't going to get them to where they want to go. Here's O'Connell talking about comparisons between Kirk Cousins and the guy who became the savior for the Los Angeles Rams this year, former Lions quarterback Matthew Stafford. You coached Stafford for a year. You coached Kirk for a year. Wondering what you know similarities do they have, if any, and what differences, if any, do they have? Yeah, Mark, they, they have a lot of similarities when it comes to the, fig, the physical nature of throwing the football. I think those guys are elite throwers. Um, accuracy is the number one requirement uh, in this league uh, as a quarterback from a physical standpoint. We can talk a lot about makeup and, and, and uh, obviously the ability to, to process at the line of scrimmage and, and play fast. Uh, but if you can't be accurate with the football, it becomes very difficult to consistently move the ball uh, for an offense. And I think Kirk, the one thing I've always noticed about him is he's incredibly accurate with the football. He's in, he plays with great rhythm and timing and precision. Um, and, and I think we can build a, an offensive system like we had in L.A. to take advantage of, of that skill set. Matthew Stafford's one of the most talented players I've ever been around. I have so much respect for him, obviously from a physical standpoint, uh, but also that makeup and that ability to process and uh, do a lot of things at the line of scrimmage. And I see Kirk being able to do a lot of those things. Um, and I see us being able to build an offense to maximize uh, what he does best, uh, which happens to be what a lot of quarterbacks you know, want to be able to do best, a, a quarterback-friendly system uh, where they can have an attacking mindset, aggressive mindset. But I, uh, you know, I, I use this term a lot, on our terms, uh, on our terms to go play the game we want to play it and, and keep it on our terms. And, and then when it's time to go make plays to win a game, our guys feel really good about going to do that. I don't know if you saw it, Shereen, the physical manifestation of the stress that he was feeling as he was trying to sell that one early on. He did the quick touch of the face as he was addressing the makeup and the ability to change plays at the line of scrimmage and whatnot. Look, there are real differences between Stafford and Cousins. Stafford is the original Mahomes with the, oh, there it is. Oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> He's got to tell. <laughs> oh, let's play some poker, Kevin O'Connell. Jim Harbaugh doesn't touch his face when he's giving answers. That's for damn sure. He just looks like he's reading off of an invisible teleprompter and he's checking every word before it comes out of his mouth. That's a different thing altogether. But, you know, Stafford can do the arm angles and all that stuff, and and he's very underrated in his throwing ability. For Cousins, it's very clinical and technical, and he's got the right form. And maybe that's one of the reasons why when the play begins to fall apart, he can't make it happen because he needs to have the opportunity to, to get in his right position and throw the ball the way he wants to. Uh, and, and, you know, he can't do the while he's moving flick of the wrist thing that we've seen from Matthew Stafford and quarterbacks like him. The no-look pass that Stafford threw that was a thing of beauty against the Bengals on Sunday. That's not in Cousins' DNA. you got to work your way around that. So there are differences between the two guys. Uh, and we didn't know it until this year when we saw how great Matthew Stafford can be. Yeah, Mike, and, you know, you think about what Matthew Stafford was before this year, and he really changed the narrative. I know we've had the, the – some people have had the debate of whether it changed his Hall of Fame candidacy. I'm not talking about that, 
but it really did change the narrative on Matthew Stafford because the Lions teams weren't that good. And when I look at Kirk Cousins, and I know a lot of people say wins and losses aren't a quarterback stat. I'll buy that. But the quarterback can make his team better. And it just feels like he's been on better teams. But I just looked up at what his record was as a starter, and it's 59-59-2, exactly mediocre. And he's made the Pro Bowl two of the last three years. So it just seems like that his team should have been better with the way he played. But he hasn't made the plays when he's needed to make the plays to get his team over the hump. And, you know, Matthew Stafford was 0-3 in the postseason before this year. And Kirk Cousins is, what, 1-2 and in the postseason, I think, in his career uh, before this coming year. But I, there are some similarities there. But I, I don't know. I, I was not convinced Matthew Stafford was going to be what we saw this year from him. And he had a really good year changing teams. Maybe that's what Kirk Cousin ultimately needs, to, to go somewhere else and get on a different team. He's tried it once, and it hasn't worked out. But maybe that's what he needs is to go somewhere else and get on, on a different team. I don't know. Maybe he needs Kevin O'Connell, as you said. His last year in Washington when he was with O'Connell was pretty darn good. 4,000 passing yards, 27 touchdowns. He did have 13 interceptions. But, again, the team was 7-9. and nine. So I don't know what it is with Kirk Cousins that it just – he hasn't elevated his team's to the next step. And maybe it's the people around them. Maybe they need better people around them. I don't know what it is, but his teams have not taken that next step that it feels like they should have taken. And maybe that's ultimately what the Vikings are thinking here. If Cousins would benefit from a new environment, let's bring the new environment to Minnesota in lieu of sending him elsewhere and watching him drinking tequila straight out of the bottle at the Super Bowl parade. <laughs> Let's have him drink his tequila straight out of the bottle here, not here in West Virginia, but there in Minneapolis and St. Paul. So I, I and I agree with you as it relates to the the influence that a quarterback can have on the ability of a team to win. You know, the quarterback has only so much control over who is around him and we've seen more and more examples of quarterbacks wanting to have more input and influence. Dak Prescott, for example, recently made it clear he wants more input over the personnel that's around him. But there is a way that a quarterback, through his leadership abilities, through the way that he holds teammates accountable, through his study habits, his work habits, everything he does, everything about who he is, is he a guy that walks through the door and everybody pays attention, stands at attention, is ready to do what needs to be done, wants to please the quarterback the way that they've always wanted to please every coach they've ever had all the way back to peewee football. You either have that or you don't. And I don't think Kirk Cousins, all due respect, has it. Great throw of the football, but I don't think he's wired to be that natural leader, to be that guy that holds his teammates accountable. I mean, hell, Stephon Diggs, the moment that they signed Cousins to an extension two years ago, was when he tweeted his way out of Minnesota. And and I know enough about the dynamic there that Diggs wasn't a big Cousins fan. And now you got to wonder, is Justin Jefferson a big Cousins fan? Now, Jefferson had a great year. He's had two great years. He's had a historic start to his season. But, you know, when we asked Jefferson about it last week, he didn't, like, get, get miffed or upset that we were dissing his quarterback. He was like, hey, I can't throw myself the football. 
and uh, I just can do what I can do. And I feel like Justin Jefferson has the confidence that he'd be great no matter who the quarterback is. So I don't, I don't know, Shereen. And maybe O'Connell is the answer. But uh, I, I, I think that, that the key may be to just go ahead and treat it as a contract year, let him play. If he doesn't want to do a deal that reduces his cap number, that gives the Vikings flexibility if it doesn't work out this year, if he's going to continue to drive a hard bargain because he can, then maybe the Vikings say, fine, you know what, we'll play out this year, and you want to become a free agent and hit the open market next year and let somebody be duped into giving you a bunch of money, so be it. Because uh, I, don't, I don't think that another team is going to get fooled the way the Vikings did when it comes to paying him whatever the top of the market is next year. Well, and if they go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl, Mike, and he does earn that money, then you're more than willing to pay that money that, that, that comes with that, that comes with getting to an NFC championship game or getting to a Super Bowl. You're willing to do that because you've seen it. You have evidence that he can lead your team there. And right now, to me, you don't have that evidence that he can get you to the promised land. And I realized when the Rams, when when they traded for Matthew Stafford, didn't have that evidence either. But, you know, this guy's been there for a while now. And if he can't get it done in his fifth season, then I, I think it's time for the Vikings to move on next year and try to find somebody else that can lead them that way. O'Connell is the, is the choice for Kirk Cousins if he's going to take that step because the two have worked together. He knows O'Connell's offense. They're familiar with each other. If it doesn't work out this year, move on, find somebody else. It's obvious it's not going to work out. And you made a great point earlier as it relates to the alternatives to Cousins. Obviously, Kellen Mond isn't ready, but even if the Vikings would look around, who's out there? that they could right. get by way of a veteran that would make you think that that guy can walk through the door and elevate everyone. They ain't getting Aaron Rodgers. Packers aren't going to no. trade him to the Vikings if Rodgers would even want to go play there. They're not going to get Russell Wilson. I don't know that Russell Wilson would be any better than Kirk Cousins right out of the gates. Deshaun Watson, I saw the other day that there was a report that uh, Watson would, would uh, accept the trade to the Vikings. Look, so much has to happen with Watson that – it's not even worth having the conversation at this point because I don't think the Vikings take a chance on him while he has these pending legal issues. So, and I don't know that he'd be any better right out of the gates than Cousins would be. The fact that O'Connell has the history with Cousins is an advantage for the Vikings for this year. The question becomes next year and beyond, and it may just be best for everyone to just focus on this year and see what happens. And if it works, you find a way to keep it going in 2023. And if it doesn't, you know, if the Vikings have a great year, the kind of year that makes teams line up to overpay Cousins. Yeah. That would mean the Vikings otherwise had a pretty good year, which would mean that when the quarterback carousel starts to spin next year, they'll be in a prime position to sit back and say, hey, come on, where else would you rather play than right here? So I, I think that I, if, if I were calling the shots and Vikings fans everywhere should be happy that I'm not, I would say don't extend Kirk Cousins. Make him, make him earn his next contract, yeah. even if he ends up getting it somewhere else. Well, and even with that $45 million on your books, Mike, I just find a way around that, uh, reducing other contracts, doing what I have to do. Now, because they're not going to give him an extension, it is going to limit some of the things that you can do in free agency. But you could still find good free agents, sign good free agents, have a good draft again. They have enough talent around them to, to make this thing work, even with that $45 million cap hit. 
And I wonder if there's some sort of a dummy deal they could do that would reduce the cap hit without. That's true. And, I, and I'm sure yeah. they, they could take some of that $35 million, they could convert it to a signing bonus with voidable years on the back end, and, yeah, they would take some of the cap charge next year, but I'd rather take some next year than all $45 million this year, and I don't know if he has. I need to look at his contract to see if there's any leftover money after he's off the, off the roster this year, but that's an easy way to create some cap space if they really want to. Take the $35 million, yeah. signing bonus, voidable years, and then you just push cap dollars into future years when the cap is going to be higher, maybe considerably higher than it is this year. Here's Kevin O'Connell on doing something that he only did for a short period of time in Washington after Jay Gruden was fired as head coach. Kevin O'Connell called the offensive plays. Other than that, it's something he hasn't done. Will he do that as head coach of the Vikings? So I, I do plan on calling the plays. Um, I think uh, it's funny you ask that because I've, I've used this joke before, but I've, uh, my career as a player provided a great platform for me as a coach because I did spend a lot of time watching games from the sideline. Um, but I will say that uh, you know, with that becomes the ability to see the game in a way that I feel very prepared to call the game. Uh, I feel like I've been around one of the best play callers in the NFL over the last couple years. Um, and, and obviously the system we run here will have a lot of characteristics of what we did in Los Angeles. Uh, the ability to have that attacking mindset, the ability to u- utilize our offense at the line of scrimmage. And with that, you know, becomes uh, you have to have ownership of what you're doing to call it. You have to have ownership of what you're doing at the quarterback position to run the offense. And I feel very strongly about the circumstances situation here to be really prepared to do that. Pro tip. Don't call your joke a joke before you deliver the joke. Just say your funny line, and if it's funny, it'll land and they'll laugh. When you say ahead of time, I've told this joke before, the immediate human reaction is to say, we'll see if it's really a joke. And then you scrutinize it more, and it isn't as funny as if it just kind of slapped you out of the blue, a.k.a. comedy is hard. <laughs> yes, Mike, it is. So don't set up your jokes by saying they're a joke. Otherwise, it's not a joke, is it? And you know what? What he said isn't a joke. It's the truth. He didn't play much, so he did get a chance to stand on the sidelines and pay attention. And I hope, from the perspective of Vikings fans everywhere, that he did learn something while he was on the sidelines with the Patriots in 2008 and with multiple other teams between 2009 and 2012. You know, his playing career was a disappointment. You come in as a third-round draft pick, he didn't do all that much. And that's fine. That's fine. Everybody hits their ceiling at some point, and he's done well for himself as a coach, and here he is as the 10th head coach in Vikings history, the team under the prior nine head coaches, including Hall of Famer Bud Grant and Dennis Green, Jerry Burns, Mike Zimmer. Haven't won a Super Bowl. Haven't been to one in 45 years since Bud Grant was the head coach. So, Kevin O'Connell, tell us about how close the Minnesota Vikings are to actually getting back to the Super Bowl and maybe finally winning one. You talk about how this team has a lot of talented players and there are a lot of pieces in place. Do you think this is a team that's really that far away from achieving its ultimate goal? I don't. I really don't. We've talked a lot about that. That's one of the things you look for when you get these opportunities 
is, is where is this current team at? And, and then obviously what type of plan can we put in place to go accomplish the goals that we want to accomplish? And I think uh, there's a lot of reasons you just said it, uh, you know, in, in, on both sides of the ball uh, that make me really excited about implementing the, the, the systems and the processes that we're going to implement uh, that these guys can then take and run with as players. And uh, can't wait to see the leadership of this group. I think there's great leadership on this team already, um, but be put in a position uh, hopefully to take this thing over, have that player-led ownership of a team, um, let those guys uh, go lead the rest of that locker room, and, and then I see us really growing this thing day by day together. together. I really do. Uh, I don't know what else you say in that setting. I kind of like the fact that the Vikings for that press conference actually put the cameras on the people asking the questions and gave them a microphone so we could hear it. How many times do we not hear the question? It's some mumbled, garbled mess that you have to put subtitles on for. So well done by the Vikings there. I, they all want to win the Super Bowl. That's what they're all there to do. Hey, uh, what are you, uh, you going to do? Oh, we're going to try to win the Super Bowl. Okay, how close are you? We're pretty close. Okay, thank you. Uh, so I, 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 it's just... I just tune that stuff out. It's just talk. It's talk because it's ultimately for the benefit of the people who have to decide whether or not they're going to renew their season tickets. And they obviously want to hear that the team's going to try to win the Super Bowl and that it defines success based on whether or not it wins the Super Bowl, even as it's counting all the money that's coming in from the season ticket renewals. Well, and Mike, when you look at their team, to me, defensively, they're just not there. And that was Mike Zimmer's thing was the defense. And he talked about never having a bad defense. Well, they were bad last year. They were 30th in defense and yards allowed. So they've got to get better on defense if they're going to do take that next step that we talk about them taking. It's got to be better on defense, and they haven't done that. But I have a question for you, Mike. When they put up the, the graphic, when we had that graphic there about Kevin O'Connell's career, I started thinking about all the mediocre quarterbacks, maybe sort of good quarterbacks, not really good quarterbacks who have become head coaches in the NFL, the Frank Reichs, the, the Sean Paytons, uh, now Kevin O'Connell. Why don't we see, like, great quarterback? Has there been one? I can't. I was sitting here trying to think off the top of my head. Has there been Mark truly Starr? a great quarterback? But was he good, a good? He became a head no, coach. No, he wasn't a good coach. Right. I don't guess he was a good head coach. No. But why can't they no. translate that? Why is it these sort of mediocre quarterbacks who come and become head coaches? But you're right. Bart Starr, I guess, is the one example of a great quarterback, a Hall of Fame quarterback who went on to coach. I think because the truly great quarterbacks have something that can't be coached. And so they have no idea how to tell someone else to do it. Maybe that, that's that's it. one of the yeah. reasons why Tony Dungy has yeah. always been very adamant that Peyton Manning won't get into coaching because none of his pupils would ever be as good as he was and it would drive him crazy. They wouldn't be as committed. They wouldn't yeah. be as talented. They wouldn't be as driven. They wouldn't be as focused. They wouldn't be as smart. They wouldn't be as prepared and it would drive him crazy. And I think that has something to do with it. Or there is just that innate skill set that prevents you from, from being comfortable trying to figure out and articulate what it is that you did and show someone else how to do it. Because if the guy just can't do it like you did it, then what? Then what? Just do it like I did it. I can't. Oh, well, we got to go find somebody who can. The problem is you don't find guys like that very often. So uh, I, I think that has a lot to do with it. I also think, too, that the truly great quarterbacks who were driven and focused and motivated and gave everything they had – there's a certain element of, I'm done. I, I can't keep doing this. Yeah. And, you know, there, there, there's some of that hovering around Peyton Manning. We have yet to see Peyton Manning go all in 
with a, with any type of endeavor. He's doing a lot of different things, but like with football, there there's a real question as to whether he ever truly wants to be all in, all consuming, all encompassing, and you don't need the money either. I mean, Peyton Manning's got yeah. money falling from the skies right now, and he's working a bunch of part-time gigs. Why would you want to drive yourself crazy as a full-time head coach where you're working all the time? I had one more point that I was going to make, and it's a very important one. Oh, I know what it is. Kevin O'Connell looks like someone, and it's driving me crazy. That's going to drive me nuts. I don't know who he looks like. Who is it? But I, am, that, that is, I don't know. He, looks, he reminds me of somebody. There was a little Eddie Haskell there at times. But, but there's, there's something about he, he gets a certain look on his face where he's kind of wide-eyed and he shows his teeth a little bit, and it reminds me of somebody. And I am committed. to Maybe I should be committed, but I am committed to finding out who it is that Kevin O'Connell looks like. A very important project for me. On the first weekend, off. Since when? Since before August? Not that I'm complaining about my job. I love my job. But you, but you know what I love more than my job? I love a weekend to not have to do it. Isn't that great that we're on the brink of a weekend <laughs> without having to do anything? Not that we will do nothing. Yeah. We'll still be posting at PFT. But all the other stuff that goes into a weekend of football season is gone. So I'm not, gonna, I'm not one of these people saying, oh, what a shame it's not football season. It's like, yeah, you know what? I kind of had enough football season. I, I'll take a weekend or two of nothing. Well, I'm there with you, Mike, but I'm not sure you're telling the truth because you're all consumed by football. What are you going to do? How are you going to spend your weekend if you're not watching football, which there's no football on, I don't think. I'll be writing about football, but I'm just saying that the the activity that usually I see once the games start, once the the full-blown Sundays start, it's so much of a higher level of intensity and stress and work. I'll gladly take a Sunday – where I copy-paste, snarky comment, 10 or 15 articles at my own pace, at my own leisure. I take a nap if I get tired in the afternoon, get a workout in, have a nice family dinner, drink a little wine, maybe smoke a cigar, instead of that usual nonstop grind. So, yeah, we'll still work, but, but not, not like it is from week one to week 18. Not that I'm complaining, because it still beats the hell out of working for a living. All right, uh, some guys who are going to be doing – a lot of working are the new head coaches. We now have nine. Let's do a quick roundup here. The new coach in the best position to succeed right away is who, Shireen? Uh, I guess I'm going with Josh McDaniels for the Raiders because, you know, normally, Mike, when you change head coaches, you change head coaches because you weren't very good the previous season and you weren't very good the pre- previous season before that, and it goes on and on and on. And that's why a lot of these teams are changing coaches now for the second time, third time uh, in recent history. But I'm going to go with McDaniels because he does take over a playoff team. That doesn't mean I think the Raiders are going to go to the Super Bowl, but they have the quarterback in place, which a lot of these other teams don't. And they're coming off a playoff season. So I think he steps into a better situation than any of these other guys who are going into these other teams that we're talking about. You know, I really hate to say this. Now, let me preface my remark by saying that all of these jobs came open for a reason. They all came open for a reason. Their teams stink for the most part, except the Raiders' job because of John Gruden. And uh, uh, I I, I was going to say Matt Eberflus in Chicago because right now, right now, look at the NFC North. I mean, if success is getting to the playoffs – that is the weakest division 
and Aaron Rodgers may be leaving. But then I thought, and this is where I regret what I'm about to say. Well, if we're going to go to the NFC North, I'd say Kevin O'Connell's in a better position to succeed than Matt Eberflus. So the guy that I'm really not all that... The guy, yeah, and he's got the quarterback. The guy I'm not really all that thrilled that they hired because I wanted Jim Harbaugh. They still could get to the playoffs this year, and they may be in a better shot than any of these other teams. Although I'll give Brian Dayball a shot in the in the NFC East. But if if Rodgers leaves the Vikings division, which was once the black and blue division, if the if if Rodgers is out, there's a there's a vacuum there, and I'm not sure the Lions are ready to fill it. Not with Jared Goff at quarterback. And I think it's an uphill climb a little bit for Matt Eberflus. I think Kevin O'Connell's in the best position uh, to succeed right away, whether he gets to where the Vikings want to go and whether it's sustainable is a different issue. The riskiest hire this offseason is who? Well, I'm going to say Lovey Smith, and perhaps not for the reason you think, because it opens them up to a lawsuit because they didn't being part of the Brian Flores lawsuit because – they didn't hire Brian Flores. So that to me is a risk. It would have been even more risky, I think, for the Texans if they had done what they wanted to do, as we all know, which is hire Josh McCown. But they hired Lovey Smith. And so to me, for that reason, that's the riskiest one. The others, I don't, you know, I started to look at the list just from a purely coach matching to the team. I think they all did pretty good in matching up the coach to the team and giving that team a chance to win long term. I, I like a lot of these hires. And and I'm going to go risk from the perspective of the coach because you only have so many of these opportunities in your life. You want your first one to work out because maybe you get a second or you know, Lovey Smith got a third, but usually nowadays you see guys get two chances. So you better make the first one count. I think Mike McDaniel's taking a real risk going to Miami. And I know that folks have ambition and drive, and I'm going to be the one to turn around a dysfunctional situation. But it is inherently dysfunctional in Miami. It's been that way ever since Stephen Ross took over. The fact that he's an absentee landlord is one one of the reasons why there's dysfunction, because there's no leadership there in place to ensure that you don't have infighting. And regardless of the Brian Flores allegations and who said what to whom and when and how that's all going to play out, and you're going to have that hovering over everything you do as head coach of the Dolphins, that case is not going away by the start of the 2022 season. I guarantee you that. That is always going to be a distraction potentially, and the issues underpinning that lawsuit are still present. The forces are still present. Stephen Ross is still the owner. What if Ross gets run out by the owners, and then you got a new owner, and you're Mike McDaniel? And, you know, I had previously thought that, okay, Ross just hands the reins to Bruce Beal, the guy that he's going to sell the team to anyway. I wrote something last night connecting dots and reading between the tea leaves, as Sims would say. There's a chance that if Ross goes, Beal goes too, because Bruce Beal has worked very closely with Ross. He's not some limited partner who's disconnected with Ross. He works at his right arm with the related companies, the real estate conglomerate that Stephen Ross owns. Beal's been part of that since 1995. Beal is the vice chairman of the Dolphins. If this stuff sticks to Ross, chances are there's going to be some text messages, some emails, some other evidence that shows that Beal knew exactly what was going on. So... It may be a clean sweep in the ownership suite for the Dolphins, 
which could make it much more difficult for Mike McDaniel going forward. So he's taking a hell of a risk jumping into that pit of dysfunction in South Florida. The new coach whose shoes you'd want to be in long term is who, Shireen? You know, I remember sitting here a year ago and saying, you know, I I really like the Jaguars coaching situation with all the draft picks they have. They're going to end up with Trevor Lawrence and they have money to spend in free agency. And obviously what a disaster that was. But I I think I would say Doug Peterson and, and maybe he doesn't like the front office and ownership position, but I do think he has a chance to win there when you consider A, the division that they're in. And, and B, the fact that they do have draft picks and they do have money and they do have some young talent. And if Trevor Lawrence is the guy, they have the guy in place. Now, I don't think we saw enough to know that last season. But you know what? If Trevor Lawrence was coming out this year, he'd still be the number one overall pick this year. So maybe they have their quarterback in place and maybe they have some other parts they can build around. I, I do like him as a head coach. He's won a Super Bowl. If he can't get it done in Jacksonville, then I think Jacksonville needs to just scrap the whole thing and, and start over probably. I'm going to say Brian Dayball just because I feel like the Giants are desperate to break the chain of every two years firing a head coach. And we've seen some modicum of self-awareness by John Mara and family in bringing in a GM other than the one we thought it was going to be. What we thought was going to happen going into the offseason was Kevin Abrams gets bumped up into the Dave Gettleman spot. The Maras continue to keep the ladle deep in the in the stew and stirring it around. Instead, they hire Joe Shane from the outside. They go get Brian Dayball. I think Dayball may be in a good spot. And if it doesn't work out with Daniel Jones, it's not going to be Dayball's fault. They go find another quarterback. So I, I think he's going to get more than two years uh, which uh, is is if you if you can tell a new head coach you're definitely getting more than two years. That's more yeah. than most teams will give a head coach right now. Let's take a break. I mentioned this earlier. We're going to delve into it a little more deeply. Dak Prescott, Cowboys quarterback, wants to have a little more influence over the personnel decisions being made by the Jones family. We'll talk about that when this Friday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. We had a bunch of weeks during the year where it was kind of like, what the what the freak is going on with right. the Dallas offense? Right, right, like, right. What, what, you know, you guys had some some bumps Slums, in the road, right? Sure. Well, what was your assessment of that? Honestly, I just felt like we got away from where we originally started the first seven, eight games uh, when we popped out seven and one. Uh, we were very aggressive. We were very aggressive. Um, we took everything that the defense, you know, gave us, and I feel like in the middle of the season we slightly got away from it. You yeah. know, we tried to. We try to do different things for no reason. Right. Honestly, we just got to stick to what, you know, stick to winning. CeeDee Lamb from last week at Super Bowl 56. And uh, Cowboys were an enigma this year. Now, the easy analysis is everything was fine until Dak Prescott suffered the cast injury, throwing the touchdown pass at the end of the overtime win against the Patriots and just was never the same after that. And uh, by the time he got healthy, other things were falling apart. I, I Look, I, I don't know. It was a crazy season, and it was punctuated by a very disappointing loss to the 49ers in the wild card round. Underachieving would be the label that most would apply. And now Dak Prescott, with his $40 million per year contract and really two years away from the team being forced to redo it, he wants to have a voice. He wants to help make the decisions. Uh, 
your thoughts on that, Shireen, and do you think the Jones family will say to Dak Prescott, come have a seat at the table while we make our decisions about personnel? Well, Mike, you've always talked about that these franchise quarterbacks should have a seat at the table. They're fully invested, and now that he's ha- he does have – uh, know where he stands contract-wise, which is the first time in a long time when you think about how long it was until he got that four-year, $160 million deal last March. It was a long time coming. So, yes, I think he deserves a seat at the table to talk about where this team is going to go, especially offensively. They have three offensive starters among their 20 scheduled unrestricted free agents so surely he'll get a say in that and then there's the big decision about what to do with Amari Cooper so Michael Gallup has the injury and becomes a free agent Cedric Wilson who took over for Gallup after he got hurt is a free agent CeeDee Lamb was your number one receiver but if you move on from Amari Cooper are you just left with CeeDee Lamb and suddenly to me you're a totally different offense if he's your only weapon, if Dalton Schultz leaves. So they have a lot of these weapons who either they have to make a decision on their future, as is with um, Amari Cooper. They have till March 20th to decide what to do with his contract, whether to move on for him, redo the contract, whatever they're going to do. And then what to do about these free agents that they have. And that's the reason. They were the number one scoring offense. They were the number one. But a lot of that they did against really mediocre teams or bad teams. You look at what they did against Atlanta and some other teams, they put up some huge numbers. But to do it consistently against good teams, they didn't do that. Teams above 500, they didn't do that. So they've got to figure out how to really, same thing that we're talking about the Vikings, how to get over the hump, how to run the ball better, how to better protect Dak Prescott. It was only a two, three, four years ago, whatever it was, that we were talking about this being the best offensive line in football, perhaps one of the best in history. They're not that anymore. So they need to rebuild that offensive line, figure out Ezekiel Elliott's going to be back on the team, but they've got to run the ball better than what they did last year and help him out more. So absolutely, long answer that could have been short to say, yes, he deserves a seat at the table to talk at least about what they're going to do offensively to help him Get better next year. And just because you have a guy that's seated at the table doesn't mean you have to listen to what he says. You give him the courtesy right. of hearing him out. And you explain to him why you may be doing something other than what he wants to do. You find a way to get him on board. But that's where the Packers got sideways with Aaron Rodgers and why they may end up losing Rodgers when it's all said and done. Because they disrespected him when he was trying to have a voice. The attitude was... You just work here. You worry about throwing the football. We'll worry about who you're throwing it to, who's blocking for you, and who's playing defense when you're on the sideline getting ready to go throw the football again. At least give the guy an opportunity to chime in. There's value that the quarterback can bring to the personnel discussion, even if you're not saying that you're going to give him any type of say over what you do. You know, does he really want Amari Cooper? Hey, you know, here's the thing, Dak. Amari's due to make $20 million this year. When we signed him a couple of years ago, our plan was to try to find a guy like a C.D. Lamb, develop him, and go with some cheaper options around him. And we can always go to the draft for young guys who can come in and play well. And Dak 
Here's the research that we've done. Here are all the young receivers who have had a major impact right out of the gates. First round, second round, third round, fourth round. We can't afford to give $20 million this year to Amari Cooper. That's money that can be used to help improve the offensive line that has not been as good in recent years as it used to be. But at least take the time. Show them the respect. Make the investment of your time and effort to make sure the guy that you expect to be the boss on the shop floor and to hold the teammates accountable, to show up early, to stay late, to be fully invested and act like a member of management, make sure he understands what you're doing. And maybe there's something you'll glean from him that will cause you to think differently. And that was why Aaron Rodgers was so flabbergasted by the refusal of the Packers to listen to him. He has value. He'd been there 15 years. He has value to the organization. He has experience. He has knowledge. And he knows what he likes. And those things, there's a a way to harvest that information without committing to a guy that maybe you don't want, even if you think the quarterback wants him. I, I think that every team with a franchise quarterback should do it. Not every quarterback, not every starting quarterback has that right. But when you truly have a guy that you've made the investment in and he's an extension of you as owner of the team and you expect him to be there and he wants to be there, I think it's stupid not to take advantage of that resource. Yeah, no question. I think the Cowboys went overboard the one year. Do you remember the Troy Aikman year when they had him working out tight ends in the draft and receivers in the draft and who do you like and they listened to him and I can't even remember who the tight end was. It was a tight end out of LSU they ended up drafting who was not very good, and, and it didn't work out. So sometimes you can kind of go overboard in that. But they, you absolutely deserve the right, if you're a franchise quarterback and they're paying you this money to be fully invested in the team, to sit down at the table and at least say, hey, here's who I like. This is what I like about our offense. This is what I would like to see improved in our offense. And, you know, if you're Aaron Rodgers and you want Randall Cobb back, then, then you make that call, and the Packers should absolutely bring Randall Cobb back. And, it, and it's the same thing with Dak Prescott. He's, he's been in this league long enough now, six years, that he knows what he needs and what he likes to win and try to get the Cowboys to the next level, somewhere they haven't been since 1995. So I, I think they should listen to him. Now, whether they heed what he says – That's a different story completely, but at least listen to what he has to say, especially when it comes to the Dalton Schultzes, the Amari Coopers, and guys that he's played with over the last few years. And, you know, it would be funny potentially if they explain everything to him. They show him all the contracts, the cap numbers. They sit down and have the conversation. He may say things like, why would you guys give Zeke all that money? (laughs) Why would you structure the contract that (laughs) way where your hands are tied when he may not be our best option now or in the future at running back, even though he's had some good years, that's one of the questions. And see, that's the thing. It's not just about the quarterback playing with his yeah. friends and having a short-term enjoyment level of being in the locker room and being around guys he likes and guys he's comfortable with. you got to think about the future, and every decision you make now potentially impacts the future of the team. Let's dip into the past of the Dallas Cowboys. This, to me, and Shireen, I, you and I haven't really talked about it much more than trade text messages on our broader chain the Cowboys scandal that popped up on Wednesday that ESPN.com had been studying for weeks apparently Don Van Natta Jr. had the byline on the story Rich Dalrymple the former PR executive who abruptly retired a few weeks ago 
accused by multiple cheerleaders of using his cell phone device, hiding partially behind a wall to videotape them while they were changing clothes. That was stunning to me. The $2.4 million payout reportedly by the Cowboys, the finding by the Cowboys of no wrongdoing. I can't reconcile those two. You don't pay out $2.4 million if there was no wrongdoing. If, if that's the case, hey, Cowboys, give me $2.4 million. If you're giving away free money, let's have some free money. Because if there wasn't something that happened that shouldn't have happened, that's the dumbest $2.4 million they've ever paid, unless it's just hush money where they don't want the controversy at all. They don't want the allegations at all, even if they believe that the allegations aren't true. They just don't want that hovering over their team, which is, is one of the reasons why claims like that have value from the perspective of finding a lawyer to represent you because some teams, some organizations, some companies will pay that money just to not have to fight the fight publicly, even if they win it. But Shereen, what stunned me was the position by the NFL. And it's, it's like clockwork. Now when there's a topic, the NFL doesn't want to talk about. I send one email. They ignore me. I send two emails. They ignore me. I send three emails. I get something. And what I got yesterday was from Brian McCarthy, NFL spokesman, we will decline comment as this is a club matter, which makes no sense. I've heard from people connected to the league, people who used to work for teams, people who are part of the broader structure of what covers the league and talks about the league. It makes no sense to just shrug this off as a club matter. The entire Washington commander scandal is a club matter, if you want to look at it that way. Everything that happens within the confines of a team is a club matter. The idea is the league, in certain cases, takes jurisdiction. We just heard the commissioner nine days ago say we can't let Washington investigate itself. No, and you can't let Dallas investigate itself because they may be inclined to cover it up completely. We don't even know whether or not this was reported to the league, either when the claims were made or when the money was paid. The personal conduct policy has some pretty strong language in there contemplating that these things will be reported so the league can take action. And it is a league matter. Rich Dalrymple would have been subject to discipline by the league under the personal conduct policy. Or maybe others. Maybe he wasn't making that video for himself. I'm just saying. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that that's true. But wouldn't you want to investigate whether or not he was a lone wolf? Or whether or not it was some sort of a prank that others knew about? Or whether somebody asked him to do it? If you don't investigate it, you don't know. And, and I, I'm, I'm astounded by this. But, but this, is, this is the NFL, in my opinion, doing everything they can to keep this from becoming a thing. You legitimize it by investigating it. You turn it into a bigger thing than it otherwise would be by investigating it. And I can't believe they're going to get away with it. But one of the reasons they're going to get away with it is nobody else is saying anything about it. This is it. This platform, Peacock, PFTPM, PFT Live, ProFootballTalk.com, we're the only ones saying how in the hell... Is the NFL getting away with not investigating this? Yeah, and I'll say this. I, Rich and I go back a long way. I would consider us to be friends or colleagues or however you want to say it. Um, it was a surprise to me when this <clears throat> came out. I never would have, have thought this happened. I, I do sort of take offense with the Cowboys saying there was no wrongdoing. He they they say he entered the the cheerleaders room he used his key card that much we know that's proof the video we don't know if he took it or didn't take it so i'm not even going to talk about that but he absolutely we know entered the cheerleaders locker room that is a given i was at that luncheon i was at all those luncheons 
I've been in the bowels of AT&T Stadium probably close to 100 times. I know how the stadium is laid out. There was wrongdoing by him entering the cheerleaders' locker room. There was no reason. Said he was going to the bathroom. There are bathrooms everywhere. There's a bathroom in the Cowboys' locker room before you even get to the cheerleaders' locker room. There's bathrooms all in the hallways. I've used the bathrooms there. There's no reason to go into the cheerleaders' room, especially when you know they're there and they're probably dressing. So to me, there was wrongdoing there by Rich to enter the cheerleaders' room. There was no reason to be in there. And the second point I had, Mike, that some executive, this came from, I heard you guys talk about the NDAs, but we don't know if, according to the story, if the cheerleaders violated their NDAs because it says in the story that five months ago they got a tip from a former Cowboys executive. And so I've been racking my mind about who this former Cowboys executive is who, who for some reason decided to tell the story. Is it somebody who hated Rich or was it somebody that wanted to get back at the Cowboys? Like, who is this executive who left the Cowboys who now is talking? And what else does this executive know? And is this executive going to tell? Because I'm sure the Cowboys know who this executive is by this point, I would think. Because there can't be that many people who are privy to this. Well, and and the executive would have to have access to the paperwork. The tip may have started with the executive, but I still believe that somebody who had signed on that dotted line as yeah. a party to the agreement had to have given paperwork. How does the exec and and shame on the Cowboys if they let this executive leave the building with NDAs yeah, yeah. with confidential settlement agreements where 2.4 million were paid out to the cheerleaders whose rights were violated by the actions of Rich Dalrymple. I just feel like there's more to this story, and one of the reasons they paid the money is, and one of the reasons that that they found there was no wrongdoing, they don't want anyone to start asking questions, again, about whether or not Rich Dalrymple was acting alone when he went into that place where he shouldn't have been. There's two explanations. It's very simple. He either did it on his own or... He did it with others knowing slash at the behest of others. And we don't know that. And we'll never know that if there isn't a full investigation. And just because time has passed, because that, that's what you're here to. Well, come on, come on. It was seven years ago. Well, right. But it wasn't properly investigated at the time. The passage of time does not make the wrong right. Just like with the stuff on Deflategate that we reported a couple of weeks ago. Uh, oh, it's been seven years. Right. But this has never come out before. Now it's out there. Let's deal with it. And I think the NFL doesn't want to deal with it. The NFL saw what happened with the Washington Commanders. And uh, I think right now the league's appetite is let's not go stirring up a pot that may eventually explode in our faces like the Washington Commanders situation has done. And what I hope happens is that the U.S. House Committee on Oversight and Reform is paying attention to all of this and decides to add it to the investigation I mean, it's the same issues. It's the same concerns, workplace misconduct, how people are treated in the workplace, right? It, it's, it's just a, a very discreet and specific example, but it's no different than the things that, that we've heard about with the Washington Commanders, right? One of the big scandals that caused this all to blow up and result in the NFL taking over the investigation of the Washington Commanders was the report from the Washington Post about the, the clips from the cheerleader videos that were harvested allegedly, reportedly, for Daniel Snyder and other high-level executives to watch. 
So uh, there's already overlap. So if the league's not going to do it, somebody else needs to. And I assume that there are plenty of reporters out there trying to get more on this. Congress, do your thing. You're already in the neighborhood. You're already on the front porch of Daniel Snyder. Just, just, just walk next door and just gently rap on Jerry Jones' door. I know he's not going to like it. I, I, I know he's not. And I'm not saying that he's involved, but he's responsible for everything that happens in his house. And this happened in his house, Shireen. Yeah. And an independent investigation, as the league has told Washington, cannot be independent if it's conducted by the team or somebody the team hires. So there does need to be an independent investigation, and that comes in the purview of the NFL. They're the ones who need to instigate this and investigate this and see what else is out there. And there may be more. Who knows, again, what this executive knows or is going to say in the future, and I'm sure the Cowboys are trying to put a stop to that. I mean, let's take a step back and think about this. We kind of get desensitized to these scandals because it's like each new one is, you know, okay, you know, we heard that. Yeah, 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 you know, uh, what do you expect? What do you expect from this cesspool that that pops up from time to time? And, you know, but this is stuff people go to jail for. This is heinous activity. This is not something you just turn a blind eye to and walk away. You're filming people secretly while they're changing their clothes? Are you freaking kidding me? Oh, it's the club matter. Get out of here with that. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And I, I, I don't watch any other shows, number one, because it's all I can do to do our own twice a day. And I never want to be accused of stealing other people's bits or lines or jokes. I, I don't, you don't have to worry about me stealing your joke, Kevin O'Connell. But, you know, I, I mean, don't say, yeah, here's a joke for you. No, no, I don't want it. Thank you. But... I, I is anybody else talking about this? Is this a big deal? Have there been articles in the Dallas newspapers demanding for answers yeah. here? I don't know. I really don't know. Yes. But there should be. Yes. There's a lot of talk here, Mike, and it's the news on the headline uh, headline news on the headlines. Sound like Sims now, right? It's headlines in the news here <laughs> everywhere <laughs> on TV. <laughs> In the newspapers, uh, yes, and the Dallas Morning News did a story after you did about the NFL not investigating this and calling for the NFL to investigate. So, yes, there Good. are. it, it is Good. a hot topic here. Everywhere I go, people are talking about it. They want to know how this happened and, and what's going to happen next. And, and there may be nothing to happen next, which is what the Cowboys and NFL obviously want is for That's this thing they want. to go away. Yeah. So we can't let it happen. We can't let it happen. Fans, media, you can't let it happen. You got to keep agitating. Who's the guy that used to do the commentaries on the local TV station with the white hair? And it would be these awesome, biting commentaries that just got right to the heart Dale of the Hansen. issue. In a, Dale Hansen. Yeah. We need. Is he still around? No, he retired recently. Yeah, we oh, need Dale crap. Hansen back, well. right? They need to bring Dale Hansen back for a commentary on this one because maybe it would do the trick. But good. I'm, I'm encouraged to hear that there's intense local coverage. I don't know what's going on nationally, but we all need to be standing up and saying this demands an investigation. This demands answers. And ultimately, and I'm not trying to exonerate Rich Dalrymple here. He's at fault if he did what he did. But I am very curious as to whether he acted alone or whether there are others who – thought it would be funny if he did it again i don't know where the joke is or wanted him to do it for whatever reason 
I, I think there may be more to the story, and that may be why it got buried seven years ago and $2.4 million was paid out to ensure that it never, ever, ever, ever came to light. Let's take a break. We'll take a look at some of the biggest off-season storylines and questions when this Friday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. But I can't say enough about this team, the resiliency, the mental toughness, Super Bowl champs. This team will never, ever get old. Give it up for those players right there getting it done. Sean McVay just tapped me on the shoulder. He wanted to know if you were interested in running it back. Run it back! 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 Give it up for Aaron Donald! What a stud! Everything! We, we, we built the super team. We can bring the super team back. Why not run it back? We could be world champions. One thing I learned this week is that Sean McVay's indoor voice sounds like his outdoor voice, and his outdoor voice requires you to go get earplugs. That's what I learned this week, Shereen. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, he didn't mention any names in that, though, Mike. We know, always know that he mentions names of reporters and players and everybody. He loves using people's names, and we didn't hear it in that clip. That's the first thing that the alcohol diminishes, the ability to remember the names of the people that you want to use the name repetition on. So big question for the Rams now that they've won the Super Bowl. Big offseason question is going to hover over the NFL because I guarantee you 49ers, Seahawks, Packers, Buccaneers, if they're any good this year, who knows? Cowboys are all going to be paying attention to whether or not number 99 is going to be wrecking their interior offensive line in 2022 if and when they play. Will he be part of the team's effort to run it back, or will he retire? That is going to be a huge question. Shereen, nothing I heard Wednesday to me is binding on whether or not he's going to come back. You get caught up in the moment. What are you going to say? Nah, nah, yeah. Sean. Sorry, Sean. Nah, I'm not. Nah, let's not. Let's not get crazy here. Let's. We can get drunk, but we can't get crazy. Uh, so I, I still think that that remains to be seen. And one of the big issues is: Are they going to give this guy more than 18 million a year? He deserves it. Yeah, he deserves to be paid quarterback money, frankly, because he's been that good. He is the best defensive player in football. And in my mind, he's one of the two greatest defensive players ever in the history of the game. I would put him right there with Lawrence Taylor. You know, just everything that he's done uh, in this game, first ballot Hall of Famer, and he's 30 years old. I do think he comes back for another season, but the way he's talking leads me to believe that it's not going to be long-term. But there is something really special, Mike, about winning back-to-back Super Bowls. It's been done so few times. We know the Patriots are the last team to do it in 2004. Uh, they, they did it, and it's really, really a hard thing. Winning one is hard. Winning two is even harder. 
uh, and almost next to impossible. So I don't give the Rams a great chance to do this back-to-back just because of the recent history of this thing or the whole history of the Super Bowl. But I give them a better chance, certainly, if Aaron Donald comes back. And, you know, we are talking earlier about comparing the Vikings and the Rams, and maybe the Vikings are ready to take that next step. They don't have Aaron Donald. They don't have Jalen Ramsey on defense. And that, to me, is what makes the Rams special and what made them different. And they did seem a quarterback away going into this year. So Aaron Donald makes that difference for the Rams. I was talking to Drew Brees last Saturday about the retirement decision and when it's right. And he raised the concept of closure, knowing at the right moment when to walk away. And if Aaron Donald comes back and they don't get back to the Super Bowl again, is that like this is the perfect time to walk away? This is the perfect time to exit stage left. And that's why six years ago, five years ago, the uh, effort began by Giselle Boonchin to get Tom Brady to walk away. What more do you have to prove after the year you're suspended? You come back, you're down 28-3 in the third quarter. You win the Super Bowl. There's nothing more for you to do. And then last year when he goes to Tampa Bay, wins the Super Bowl in his first try. What more do you have to do? Now if he never plays again, it is going to be kind of a weird ending. And maybe he came back just to set all the all-time records, that that was his goal last year. But for a guy who's walked off with a Super Bowl how many times is it six or seven it's seven times in his career seven i've lost track seven. uh it seems weird for him to not walk away with a super bowl championship so with aaron donald he's done everything he could possibly do he's a walk-in hall of famer he goes straight to the special room where the no debate hall of famers reside and uh do you want to keep doing this and and i think one of the real questions is are they going to pay him to do it. And if they pay him enough money, he'll yeah. continue to put himself through it. I think it comes down to that. And Stan Kroenke needs to figure that out. So uh, if, I, if I'm Aaron Donald, I'm not playing for $18 million this year. And if they want to offer me 25 26 27 30 whatever, if they want to reflect the fact that I am one of the all-time greatest defensive players in league history and I've got a few more good years left, then I'll keep playing. Otherwise, I'm content to walk away. I would love to see him play in this game long term to really see what he can do over the next five years to 35 but if he chooses to walk away at 30 years old Mike I'm not going to be mad I'm going to be sad that we don't get to see more of Aaron Donald and his greatness but I'm not going to be mad at him and and I just think when players do what they set out to accomplish in the game and are able to walk away at a young age still have all their cognitive abilities, still be able to walk at an an old age. And we just see it too much. When you look at an Earl Campbell or a Tony Dorsett, and I know they played running back, they didn't play defensive tackle, but just when you look at some of these Hall of Famers and the condition that they're in now with, you know, the inability to walk and all the surgeries they've had and everything else, you know, I, I get it. And he's done everything he set out to do in this game now that he has the Super Bowl ring. I don't know what else Aaron Donald has to accomplish. I hope he stays around selfishly just so I can see what else he can accomplish. Can he get that fourth Defensive Player of the Year award? I'm sure he can, which would set him apart from anybody else. Nobody else has won four of those awards. So he can do a lot of special things still in this game. So I'm going to be sad if we don't see that, but I'm not going to be mad at him if he walks away, Mike. 
No, look, because only he knows the toll that he's taken physically and whether he truly wants to do it. And that's the other side of it, too. If he truly doesn't want to do it anymore, don't do it. You're only setting yourself up for frustration, potential injury, and ultimately regret for doing something you didn't want to do. What Joe Burrow wants the Bengals to do, undoubtedly, is to put better pieces around him, specifically on the offensive line. That's another big question this offseason. What will the Bengals do to shore up a very weak spot on their roster, especially when they now have to be ready, Shireen, to have the target on their back to get the best, to get the A-plus game out of everyone they face. They used to be the road apple. They used to be the bye week that wasn't really a bye week. Oh, it's the Bengals. Oh, okay, well, we'll go kick the crap out of them and check the box and move on. Now they're the team everybody's going to be trying to beat, and Joe Burrow was constantly harassed last year, and we saw it up until five days ago. He stayed healthy until he didn't. He's got that MCL sprain in his right knee, the one that wasn't blown up last year. They've got to be willing to do everything they can. Free agency, draft, trades to get better offensive linemen. And from a contract structural standpoint, they need to be willing to guarantee money beyond the first year. And that requires a fundamental change to the way one of the cheapest organizations in sports does business. Yeah, I said it because it's true. I know they went to the Super Bowl. They're still one of the cheapest organizations in all of sports. Well, and you go back to before they drafted Burrow, there was question about their commitment to signing free agents and doing what it took uh, to put good players around Joe Burrow. And that's when they started signing the big name free agents that we've seen who came in to help them get to the Super Bowl. But before they drafted Joe Burrow, they didn't do that. And now they've really got to have a commitment to doing that. I know we all say, oh, well, Joe Burrow's young. This is a young team. You look at Jamar Chase and all the other Joe Mixon and Higgins and Boyd, and they're all signed through 2023. This is a team that's going to be back in the Super Bowl. And then you start thinking about the Chiefs not being able to accomplish what they said they were going to do after winning that first Super Bowl. Oh, we're going to get six, seven, eight. I can't even remember what the number got up to. Chris Jones and, and all of them were talking about how many Super Bowls they were going to win. Well, guess what? They've got one Super Bowl ring here sitting here. But all of these young quarterbacks in the AFC and all of these good teams in the AFC, it's going to be hard to get back. And I know Dan Marino thought he was going to be back, and everybody thought Dan Marino was going to be back in the Super Bowl after his second year in 1984, and he never got back to that game. And then you think about, Mike, how close they were to not even getting to this game. I mean, they could have lost to the Titans there at the end. They could have lost to the Chiefs. Even the Raiders game turned out to be close, and the Raiders were driving late. So any of those games could have gone the other way. You have to have a lot of things go right. Even with the right quarterback and the right team, things have to go right for you to get to a Super Bowl. So they need to put, my point of all of this is, he was sacked 70 times for 507 yards, third most in NFL history. They have got to rebuild that offensive line. There are a ton of free agents out there. They could trade for Laramie Tunsil if they want, but there's a ton of guys. Even a Dwayne Brown could be a bridge guy for you and is better than what you have now. Whoever it is, you have to go out and get some of these offensive linemen to help him out. Yeah, I mean, the difference between the Rams and the Bengals, the Rams' best chance to get back to the Super Bowl and win it is to keep doing what they're doing. The Bengals are going to have a hard time getting back doing it the way they did it this year. They've got to try to upgrade. Yeah. They've got to address their weaknesses. They've got to protect Joe Burrow, or he's going to get seriously injured again. 
And they need to show him. They need to be ready to show him that they're willing to make the commitment around him. And after the 2022 season, it's going to be time to make the commitment to him financially. So they've got to change the way they do things when it comes to not guaranteeing money beyond the first year of the contract, period. Next big question that hovers over the 2022 offseason. How and when will the Aaron Rodgers situation be resolved? We know the when, if he was telling the truth eight days ago, when he said he's going to take a couple of weeks and then a decision is going to come, quote-unquote, pretty quick. We don't know what it's going to be. I think it's going to be that he asks to be traded. The Packers are doing everything they can to try to convince him otherwise. There was some reporting over the weekend about how financially they're going to make him a big offer and they're going to spend all the way to the cab. They're going to spend over the cab. That's not news. That's not a surprise. Of course they're going to do that. That's a given. But this Tom Clements return is, is stunning to me. And, and will it matter at this point to Aaron Rodgers? You know, if you're an employee who is asking for a raise – and you're asking for a raise, you deserve a raise, and you're asking for the raise, and you keep asking for the raise, and they keep ignoring you. And then finally, when you prepared to move to a new city and accept a new job, as they fear you walking out the door, they say, oh, I'll give you that raise. Does it matter at that point, or is it too late? Is Tom Clements coming back a a, a worthless Band-Aid, or will it change Aaron Rodgers' mind? I, I don't know. I don't know. But I wouldn't be surprised if his attitude is, I'm sorry, it's too late for that. He never should have been pushed out in the first place. Well, I don't think anyone truly knows Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, not even the closest people around him know Aaron Rodgers. So who knows what he's going to do? But I do think it was the clearest sign yet that the Packers are committed to doing whatever it takes to get Aaron Rodgers back. The Tom Clements was with Rodgers for a really long time. He helped develop him. We know they have a tight relationship. So he arrived the year after Aaron Rodgers was drafted. So he helped develop Rodgers even when Favre was there and then Favre left. And Clements went on to become offensive coordinator. So I I do think that's a clear sign that they're doing what they can to bring Aaron Rodgers back. I think they're going to listen to him this offseason. I'm not going to be surprised if Aaron Rodgers comes back and plays the Packers again once he looks around and sees – Every The whole entire NFL landscape, how hard it might be to get to the Super Bowl in the AFC with all those young guns. And then when he looks at the NFC North and says, you know what, I really like my chances over here better to get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. We've been really close the last three years. We have the coach that I really like, and now I have my former quarterback's coach back. But... Having said all that, nothing is going to surprise me with Aaron Rodgers. I still expect that he's going to ask to be traded, but I I just don't see a better spot for him to try to win his second Super Bowl than Green Bay. But two straight years of being the one seed, two straight years of not getting back to the Super Bowl, and I don't know what they need to do differently. And some of it may be on him. There's a chance that he just isn't stepping up in those big moments. And at some point, all of these other conversations and topics obscure what may be a very simple proposition at a time when others are stepping up and, and reaching for that greatness. He's just not. And, uh, you know, he's playing great during the regular season, but not in the postseason. Okay, which and, – and I think Aaron Rodgers is the first domino, and I think people are going to wait. Yeah to do any of these unofficial trades or unofficial deals or tamper with other quarterbacks until we know what Aaron Rodgers is going to do, which other prominent quarterbacks will be on the move? And there are already 
Nice list of names here. Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson still lingering. Kyler Murray, there's something going on. Carson Wentz is reportedly out in Indianapolis. And hashtag Tommy still still lingering, still hovering. And I think he's going to make his move to try to return after the Buccaneers get a replacement that they can't take back where it becomes impossible for Tom Brady to rejoin the team. But uh, any knee-jerk, gut-level feel for, you know, how many of those guys are ultimately going to move? Well, I think Carson Wentz will be cut. I think that's going to be the first domino is, is Wentz getting cut. Now, I don't know that any team moves to sign him right away. He's going to be one of those guys that – when all of the when all the chairs the the seats on the chairs get taken, that he's the last last guy standing. That a team that didn't come up with a quarterback goes, okay, well Carson Wentz is better than what we had last year. We'll use him as a bridge quarterback. I think that's what's going to happen to him. So he's not going to sign anytime soon, Mike, because he's not better than some of these other guys that you could end up with. I do think Jimmy Garoppolo gets traded because I think that a team is going to offer too much for him for the 49ers to hold on to him as a backup option to Trey Lance. And I think they'll do what's right for Jimmy Garoppolo and give him a chance to go elsewhere. I think he's going to be the first one to get traded. That That's what I think. Wentz gets cut and Jimmy Garoppolo gets traded. That's the first. And then after that, we see what happens with these other guys. But it's going to be an interesting offseason with these quarterbacks, especially since we know the draft does not have a lot of top-level quarterbacks. I was talking to a couple scouts over the last couple weeks, and they were telling me, hey, I wouldn't use a first-round draft pick on a quarterback if I needed one. Where does Garoppolo go? I've seen some noise that maybe Washington and there's a thought the 49ers can get a first-round pick for him. Are you kidding me? You can get a first-round pick for him? Get out of here with that first-round pick. But Washington, Pittsburgh, he's a, you know, you, met, you were talking about Carson Wentz, and I'm thinking, hell, he's still better than Mason Rudolph. All due respect to Mason Rudolph. Uh, I could see Carson right. Wentz in Pittsburgh instead of Mason Rudolph. I could see Jimmy Garoppolo in Pittsburgh instead of Mason Rudolph. I could see myself in Pittsburgh instead of Mason Rudolph. They, they cannot go forward with Mason Rudolph. No, Dwayne Haskins would be a better option in my mind than than Mason Rudolph. And I saw one of the Pittsburgh writers pointed out that how bad Joe Burrow was in a couple of these postseason games and say, well, Mason Rudolph's better than that. Come on. Mason Rudolph is not your franchise quarterback. You've got to do better than that. And I do agree that Jimmy Garoppolo, that would be a potential landing spot for Jimmy Garoppolo. They're going to have to have a better running game. They can't be 32nd in rushing with Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback. They've got to be able to run the ball. And that's probably with any quarterback we're talking about here, that they have to be able to run the ball better than they have over the last couple of years. But he would be – that would be a good landing spot, I think, for Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I, I do, too. I really do. It's a low bar in Pittsburgh right now. I don't understand this ongoing fascination with Mason Rudolph. Maybe he's one hell of a nice guy. I don't get it, though. They keep trying to will this guy into being something that we've seen enough to conclude he's never going to be. Do you think Kyler Murray is the Arizona Cardinals starting quarterback week one? That's a tough one based on what we've seen this offseason. Yeah, I think he is, but it's obvious that something's up with him, whether it's I want a new contract and the Cardinals have said, nah, we're going to wait another year to see what you do, if we can take that next step with you. Uh, I I think he's back, but I'm not 100% sold on that, Mike. Yeah, look, 
I, I still have a problem with the reporting of strong negative opinions like self-centered, immature, yeah. and uh, finger-pointing. Because surely not everyone feels that way. And Sims and I were talking about it earlier in the week. And, you know, for Chris Mortensen to have gone with it, it had to have come from somebody pretty high on the food chain, possibly from owner Michael Bidwell himself, to, to make you comfortable to pull the trigger on that. If the owner of the team is saying, this is how this guy's viewed – I could understand why someone would go with it. It's a far cry from the the backup tight end saying it. So uh, regardless, there's something going on there. And I think it's as simple as he wants his contract and the Cardinals want to try to kick the can for a year like the Browns did with Baker Mayfield, his good friend. And he's not happy about that. And, and his scrubbing of his Instagram account and other social media platforms happened after he was at the Pro Bowl around guys from other teams. I don't think that was a coincidence either. So something's going on. Something's going on. I know he'd love to play for the Cowboys and play all of his home games at AT&T Stadium, but uh, I don't see that happening. We, we mused about a possible Kyler Murray for Deshaun Watson trade where Murray could play for the Texans. But you know what? If he doesn't like losing, he's going to hate playing for the Texans. So, uh, and he can't go play baseball for now because they're locked out. So he's kind of stuck. Yeah. He is stuck for now, Mike. And, and I am intrigued by the Deshaun Watson for Kyler Murray trade and, and what that would do for both teams. But I think Murray at that point would say, eh, I don't like this. I'm going elsewhere. I'm going to play baseball. Yeah, look, he's always got that leverage. He's the only current NFL yeah. player that can go play another professional sport once they take the padlocks off the – the door to the clubhouses. Is that what it is? Clubhouse? It's clubhouse in baseball. Clubhouse. Yeah, that's right. I used to be a baseball fan a long time ago. Uh, the Brian Flores lawsuit. And, uh, you know, that's going to hover over the NFL. And we could couch the question however we want. But the bottom line is this thing's going nowhere. The battle hasn't even been joined yet. They've hired Loretta Lynch, the former U.S. Attorney General, to represent the NFL. Different people have different lawyers of their own. Stephen Ross has his own lawyer. Bruce Beal, the the lieutenant to Stephen Ross has his own lawyer. It's got the potential to be a big mess. I expect the Giants will have their own lawyer. The Broncos will. The Texans are going to be joined to this party at some point for not hiring Brian Flores. This thing's going to be a big mess. And it usually takes 18 months to two years for the normal lawsuit to go from beginning to end. This is going to take longer than that. The St. Louis litigation hung around for six or seven years until it was settled back uh, the week of Thanksgiving. So this isn't going anywhere anytime soon. And as I said earlier, Mike McDaniel, the new coach of the Dolphins, is going to have to deal with this constant distraction, potential distraction, yeah. as there will be developments. There will be things, we, unless it all goes to arbitration, we don't know what's going on. If it stays, if any of it stays in an open court proceeding, there will be developments that we are constantly reporting on, discussing there will be little wins victories defeats on the path to a final outcome it's not going away and it's going to attract not just sports media interest it's going to attract crossover mainstream news media interest as well as it continues to move forward and is brian flora's career over mike as you see it does anybody ever hire him let's say this is settled some way does he get another chance to coach in the nfl Here's what I currently think will happen, and I go back to the Colin Kaepernick settlement. When I first heard that he had resolved his collusion claim with the NFL, I assumed that part of the settlement was a buyout 
of his future employment rights, an agreement that he would neither seek nor accept employment with any NFL team going forward. And that wasn't in there. And you know what? The NFL was always susceptible to a second claim from Kaepernick that the first time you colluded against me was because I made the other robots self-aware that they had the rights to kneel during the national anthem, and I sparked this movement, and you colluded against me because of it. Then you colluded against me because I sued you and I forced you to pay me between five and ten million dollars. That was a viable claim to justify the ongoing shunning of Colin Kaepernick. So um, I think what they'll do with Brian Flores, they'll fight him for a while. And when it's time to settle, I really do think that they'll offer him a package that entails a walkaway clause. Never coach in the NFL again. It's not going to be cheap. You're talking about a guy who's still under 40, would have 20-plus more years. I mean, they're going to have to write a huge check under an NDA to make this go away. And Brian Flores may not want it. That's the other side of it, too. He may say, I don't want your money. I don't want to settle this. I am in this for a bigger purpose. I am in this to change things once and for all for the National Football League. And that may mean he never gets hired again by any NFL team. Uh, but uh, it, it, it strikes me as he's in it for those, those broader reasons, not to feather his own nest. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny because I was on here before, right after Brian Flores. I think we were on the air maybe when Brian Flores got canned or something. But we were talking about, oh, it won't be that long until Brian Flores has another job. He's one of the best candidates to coach in the NFL, and I still think he was and is one of the best candidates in this hiring cycle, and he didn't get a job, which is stunning. It's just stunning how this changed over the last month and what occurred over the last month. It truly, truly is just stunning to me what has happened. And it's to me, it's going to be, if you're in this business, the Brian Flores lawsuit is one of those things where you're going to remember where you were and how you heard about the lawsuit, because I do think it changes everything eventually for the NFL. You're absolutely right, because I already have flashbacks to riding my exercise bike before a yeah. Tuesday edition of PFTPM. I looked at my phone and my That's son says, was, yeah. holy crap, this Brian Flores stuff. Have you seen this? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And all hell broke loose after that. Let me just say one last thing to the armchair matlocks out there before we move on to our final topic and the questions hovering over the NFL for the offseason. Don't get it twisted when it comes to his claim against the Texans. The fact that the Texans hired a blackhead coach in Lovey Smith does not absolve them of liability. His argument against the Texans is that they did not hire Brian Flores because of the lawsuit that he filed. There are laws against retaliating against people who make legal claims regarding things that have already happened to them in the workplace. Otherwise, everybody would be shunned. Everybody would be blackballed. Every employer would say, you've sued me? Get out of here. Never show up again. I don't want you around. You, you, then, no, the, then no lawsuits ever get filed because they know that they're going to be justifiably shunned by their employer going forward. It's wrong. It's illegal. He has rights. And, when it's, and, and people say, oh, they're never going to admit to it. Of course they won't. Of course they won't. But you know how you prove it? You prove it with quotes like the one Lovey Smith offered up last week during his introductory press conference when he says, I'm not quite sure when I became a candidate. That's how you prove it. You prove it because the whole thing was a farce. It was a sham. It was phony. He was yanked off of the coaching depth chart to help them out of a mess where they knew they couldn't hire Josh McCown and they wouldn't hire Brian Flores. So that part of it is going to be compelling 
But there are so many people out there who refuse to acknowledge that it's wrong, Shireen, to say to someone, yeah. we're not going to hire you because you've sued our business partners. You can't do that. You just can't do that. And yeah. it's amazing to me how many people refuse to accept that. Well, and that's exactly right, Mike. And I think just people assume, well, of course you're not going to hire somebody who's sued the NFL. But they should have, and a lot of these teams probably are going to regret that they didn't hire Brian Flores because he's better than some of these coaches who were hired. But statistically, we know nine coaching hires were made. A lot of these teams, Mike, two years, three years from now, are going to be looking for a new head coach. And Brian Flores, to me, could have been a long-term answer for some of these teams. Well, hopefully somebody who is committed to winning a Super Bowl, right? They're all committed to winning a Super Bowl. Hopefully somebody who's committed to winning a Super Bowl will decide to hire Brian Flores, even if it gets them in hot water with their business partners. Lastly, very quickly, significant rule changes. You know, the biggest one on the docket in my mind is overtime, specifically in the postseason. My understanding is that we should not look for any changes to regular season overtime. This is a postseason thing only, and it's a very simple proposition. Each team is guaranteed a possession. And the strategic fascination would come from for example the bills scoring a touchdown after the chiefs did let's assume the chiefs went ahead and got seven points bills have to decide do we go for two or do we kick off to start what will be true sudden death i think that that is going to happen i don't know that yet there's still a lot of discussion that needs to occur but i think the wind is blowing in that direction it's an easy fix that makes it fair it doesn't extend games in the regular season and it makes for a more fair process in the postseason Well, and that's the one I was going to point to as well, Mike, and I do think they make that change. We've seen it over the last couple of postseasons where it needed to be changed and each team get a possession, I guess the last three or four postseasons because we saw it with the Patriots and the Chiefs uh, game a few years ago in the AFC Championship game. So it does need to be changed. And for everyone who says, well, you can't have different overtimes for the regular season and postseason, guess what? It's already different. So, yes, you can have different rules for the postseason, and I think this is a good one to have for the postseason. I don't mind it for the regular season. I think it's fine as it is. They don't need to be playing more football, especially with 17 games. But the postseason, absolutely, both teams need to get the football in overtime. The reality is if they would do that in the regular season with a 10-minute extra session, there would just be more ties, and nobody wants more ties. Although ties come in handy – when it's time to otherwise apply tiebreakers <laughs> at the end of the season. All right, uh, we're going to break open the mailbag when this Friday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack.